Hey, I am so grateful in this season for you, all of your support. And just for that matter, I want to offer an additional 35% almost to joining the Reach and Frequency program this December start, okay? What we do in this program is that we teach people not only the fundamental skill set to get started in the field, but also hands-on experience in a DSP. We sprinkled some LinkedIn and resume workshop on the way. We have guest speakers, we have mock interviews. I put you in contact with my network that is hiring. So if you're interested in finding out how to find a job or land into your dream job in digital advertising, specifically programmatic, go to reachandfrequency.online forward slash Black Friday. I am thankful for you. Send your friends, bring your friends, tell them to pull up. We're having a party. There's still time for the December program to start. Have a wonderful time. Welcome to another episode of the Pergamatic Digest podcast. We have my very, very good friend on as a guest today, Carlos. How are you doing today, Carlos? Doing very well. Thank you, Alan. I am very excited to have you on. Carlos and I know each other for, we go way back. Let's just say it like this, okay? We go way back. I'm very honored to have you as a guest today because we're going to talk about programmatic experiment testing during your optimization phase. We're going to talk about maybe mentorship, community, and also like the importance of understanding other channels besides just programmatic or creative and programmatic and how we can pretty much benefit you as a programmatic ninja. But before we get into those topics, Carlos, how about you take a minute or two to just talk to us about who you are and really highlight your journey from where you were to now where you are. Okay, th- thank you, Alan. My name is Carlos Villanueva. Um, I was born in Panama, so I'm not from the U.S., but I spent most of my life living in Miami, Florida. I kind of have like an interesting uh, journey into programmatic. I started in the retail sector, I did uh, retail stores, uh, worked as an assistant manager for, for a few years before actually getting into anything remotely near uh, digital marketing. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the other thing is uh, once I kind of like left the retail sector, I started working for the Miami Herald here in Miami, mm-hmm. uh, up uh, a newspaper. And that was kind of like my first stepping stone in into just media in general. I spent mm-hmm. a, a couple of years in, uh, in the publishing side, not doing anything digital per se, but just working with the, with the actual newspaper. Nice. But then I was drawn into the, the online side, um, the herald.com, and I started to kind of like apply for positions and I finally got one mm-hmm. after a couple of years and, and started working. My first digital position was working in the, um, as a real estate producer, kind of working in the real estate page, yeah, uh, and managing some of the wood that you will see when you go into the real estate homepage. Uh, nice, that's from really there. Cool. Yeah, yeah, from there, I spent a couple more years working uh, in that position in that role, and then I was handpicked to kind of work in the uh, as an ad trafficker for the for the ad trafficking team, mm-hmm. and that was about maybe. 2006 and from there on I oh that goes yeah. way back <laughs> I go way back I'm aging way back. Uh, aging myself here from 2006 maybe maybe to about 2015 and uh, just did uh, ad operations and ad trafficking 
my first role after the uh, eye trafficking was in the programmatic space, maybe around 2015, that I started working with uh, an agency and then kind of started working in that sector, um, being a media buyer. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I'll be honest, I struggled a little bit that first year. So it was, it was even though I had spent so many, so many years in uh, trafficking, it, it was not the same. Mm-hmm. It was not the same deal. And uh, kind of like that first year was thought to myself, well, did I really make the right decision? Oh, I... <laughs> yeah. And, but then little by little started picking up. I said year or two, then uh, mm-hmm. I started like building little by little, you know, my understanding of programmatic media. And then, you know, um, by the time I left that agency, I, I was like, I, I come from like the bottom, I would say all the way to the top. I was kind of like the person people were going to for questions and, and for advice on how to yeah. campaign. So, and then, and just recently, uh, as of last year, I started working for a new agency, mm-hmm. Butler and Till in Rochester, New York. And they specialize in uh, activation of uh, pharma campaigns. So mm-hmm. I'm in and and digital pharma right now and just working with my current agency in a senior role as a programmatic specialist that is super dope i love asking this question because everybody has a different journey um but it's also maybe someone like one at least one person is going to listen to your story and be like oh man this is me right now or oh i feel this way too like so i just need to keep going you know keep keep at it so, so thank you so much for sharing. And I think that's why I'm very excited to talk to you about, you know, programmatic, the best practices of optimization, why you should experiment, when and why not to experiment. So before we get into like uh, that topic, tell me in your own words, if you had to define your day-to-day to a five-year-old, wait, your daughter is four, right? She's four. She's four. Okay. If you had to explain to your daughter what you do in the day-to-day, how would you explain to her? <laughs> Um, day to day. So there's always like the eBay example that people throw out out there, but like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a little bit too complex for her. But like, I'll, I'll, I'll say it this way. Let's say we're at the mall and mm-hmm. she loves Claire's, the store Claire's that has like all this jewelry the and jewelry. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> and so she loves going to Claire's and, and I was, explain to her but let's say in the programmatic world i'm in charge of flyers uh, passing out flyers in the mall so i'll take a stack stack of flyers to have maybe a coupon or something and i'll go around the mall and i'll start giving handing out to everybody in the mall so to create like that traffic that goes back to players to create people visiting the store so Mm -hmm. i would say that you know like and so basically that's uh, in the big picture that's what we're doing like I'm the person um, passing out the flyers on the DSP mm-hmm. you know and uh, the flyer is the, the the video impression or like all the static image or what have you yeah and yeah. and then I'm just uh, I, you know trying to bring people into the store and shop mm-hmm. uh, and then like like if I wanted to take a little bit uh deeper like an optimization would be instead of uh passing out the flyer to maybe uh senior folks you know like uh-huh. start passing out the flyer to teenage girls and yeah, getting more teenage good. girls to start coming 
Yeah, Thank yeah, that's good. That's pretty good. Wow, that's a great explanation. I've never heard that one. And I think that one is the best top five, in my opinion, because I heard quite a few. But I like the fact that you really took account of your audience, which is your daughter, and you really talked to her in her language. So I definitely this is one of the good ones. Uh, yeah. So Thank with you. that said, when it comes to targeting, talk to us maybe about like the importance of experimenting when you come to programmatic activation, right? So, you know, most of the data for, Morgan, for programmatic trader, a buyer, whether senior or junior level is managing a campaign. Sometimes it's multi, you know, multi six, seven figure campaign. Um, sometimes it's multiple campaign for that one brand. Sometimes it's multiple channels within those campaigns for that one brand. So can you just talk to us about like best practices when you are in a situation where you have a larger account to manage? And then you have multiple campaigns. How do you how do you prioritize optimization? Why are you like, what are your your maybe top three best practices like cooking? When I look at this campaign, this is what I do. Boom, boom, boom. Um, I don't think I have like a, like a strategic way of, mm-hmm. of just saying like when I'm looking at this campaign, I do this step one, step two, step three. Okay. I kind of like just I, I wonder a lot. Once I get a campaign into a good place, uh, I start to wonder, I wonder if I do this, what will happen? <laughs> and then I kind of <laughs> I kind of pick uh, my pockets, pick my spaces where um, an experiment would wouldn't do that that much harm and and then and, and and experiment that way. One of the recent experiments that I've been running is will be kind of like uh, like targeting criteria instead of targeting you know to all os i've been targeting mostly to to ios mm-hmm. um and it's, it's something that's been on my mind since the ios 14 releases uh for like a couple of years ago mm-hmm. where we started seeing people um to ex- people actually started excluding ios inventory yeah. and then going into the android inventory Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then I started doing some research on my own for me on the on the pharma side. Mm-hmm. A lot of ACPs, so a lot of healthcare workers use iOS. So so going that way didn't make sense to me. So I started like think, thinking, well, what about if I strictly target iOS? And I started be, and started seeing some great results just targeting iOS inventory. And I started seeing not only was I getting great results, but I was seeing the CPMs actually come down a little bit oh. because so many people have moved into uh, into Android inventory that the Android CPMs are started okay. going up. Oh, and then because, oh. yeah, and, and because I went into iOS, I started like decreasing my, my CPM. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like how I come into my optimization. I start like keep up in the industry, keep up with the trends and start like yeah. to think like, I wonder what will happen if I pull this left my campaign. Wow, yo, okay. So let's unpack what you just said because you dropped so many gems, right? I was trying to like highlight, if you were a book, I was trying to highlight everything you said, right? All right, so I want to highlight the fact that you said, what if I tried this, what would happen, right? As long as it's a semi-safe decision, what would happen? Mm-hmm. So can you even break it down one more steps for my people out there, including me? How do you determine that safe decision? Like, okay, I want to experiment this if that doesn't jack up everything. Like, what are some things that you can look at from a get-go? And I know each campaigns are unique, but is there one thing you can share? Like, oh, if I want to experiment, I'll make sure at least it doesn't to do this. See what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I, I think who my my approach is 
to kind of like look at like the daily patterns of mm-hmm. of your campaign, how much you're spending a day, what kind of like uh, conversions you're getting mm-hmm. and cost per conversion, that kind of stuff. And then see the day off my test, how does that start affect? Uh, how does that affect my campaign? And if you need to stop the test early, by all means, stop the test early. But do you yeah. start getting some data, that daily data, and then that will be an indication where, whether you're like moving in the right direction or the wrong direction. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like high gauged. That's good. High gauge my experiments. Yeah, that's really good because I think it's always like I remember as a trader, and even now when we're consulting with clients. When they ask me, like, when do you know what, when do you know to stop this experiment or when do you know to start the experiment? I always have to go back and look at things. And you're right. I think once you understand the trends of your campaign, then you'll be able to assess fairly easily, like, this is going to really switch. But like sometimes when it does, you know, have a really high uh, change or consequence and or really low consequence, it just means that the experiment maybe need more time or is just not working. Um, so I appreciate what you just shared, especially with the example of the iOS. So how did you measure though the conversion? What was the result from uh, what was the conversion that you were tracking? Uh, in our case, in, in, in Digital Pharma, mm-hmm. we're measuring conversions for us. It's like a, a user coming to the page and kind of like staying on the page and reading different tabs within the, the web page and getting more information. It's more like an awareness play that, that we do. Yeah. yeah. And and then we mentioned how, how long does that user stay on site? Like, uh, do they stay 15 seconds on the site? Do they stay 30 seconds? And always, oh, we're always optimizing to for the users to stay longest on the site. Because eventually the end game is kind of to get that user to to talk to the doctor about a particular drug and say, I heard about this drug and like, um, like, what do you think about it? So that, that's kind of like the end result that we're trying to do. And we have seen a correlation that like users that spend more time on the page are more likely to go back to their physicians and kind of talk to them wow. about that drug. So we have a way to measure that time on site. Um, so what we're doing is, is uh, seeing if we're getting those users spending uh, that particular time on the site. And then if we, if we are, then uh, we keep optimizing so, towards uh, that, that uh, targeting criteria. That, so that, yeah, that's what we saw. And then what I saw uh, on my experiment that, that we were getting, when we were kind of like targeting all iOSs, then we were uh, operating systems, we were getting more conversions when we were, we were targeting strictly to, to iOS in our field. Mm, wow, that's interesting. And do you think it's because the audience on iOS have increased too? Like more people are iPhone users versus Androids? Uh, so the, the stats that I've seen worldly in, in the world, there's more Android users than, than uh, oh. the iOS users. But okay. in the U.S. actually flips. In the U.S., it's oh. slightly more iOS users than Android users. Oh, interesting. But then if you even go in, if you even look at it in a microscope, the, the HCP really love uh, the iOS um, uh, operating system. So, mm-hmm. so it was kind of like clear to, for me to, if the, the healthcare workers are already so close to the iOS devices, it just makes sense to, to target them there. 
Wow, that is so dope. Um, so if you're listening and you thought about excluding iOS because of lack of measurement, then this is your answer. <laughs> Call Carlos for consulting purposes. <laughs> um, I love that. Okay. All right. So give us another example of where you maybe had to experiment and then you were hoping for something, but you got something totally different. So give us like, let's flip the coin, you know, and see, because I want people to realize that experiments can go either way. But the biggest thing about experimenting in your optimization or in your campaign management is the fact that it'll tell you a story you might need at that moment. So if it's not working, then you know not to do that, right? So can you share a time where you experimented and you're like, oh, shucks, that does not work? Oh yeah, like a, a recent one, the the ones that I have in my head right now is uh, mm-hmm. it's it's another campaign, another um, pharma digital pharma campaign that I was running. Okay. And I started thinking, you know, I started thinking about the campaign, and started uh, wondering like, what about if I uh, if I shut down the campaign on the weekend, mm-hmm. maybe they, I wouldn't I don't get enough conversions happening on on the weekends because doctor offices are closed on weekends, oh, and wow. I started like having that hypothesis in my head i i went ahead and didn't get the results I wanted. <laughs> it, it turns out that like yeah. like doctors doesn't matter if they're it's the weekends or weekday they're always like looking for the they're always the looking for information so it's like it's, it's a 24 hours seven days a week mm-hmm. that, that would thing. so it, it doesn't really matter so i was hoping to see more conversions happening because i was reducing uh i was targeting my budget monday yeah. through friday but i didn't see that happen and but it was an easy an easy wait I, I just reverted back to the settings i had before and i was able to get yeah. back on track yeah but it, it, I, I think doing those experiences are important because, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. like, the wondering, it's, it, it, you start, you stop wondering, you start, you start thinking, maybe there was something else I could have done. Like, if you go through each channel, like, kind of like mm-hmm. test out like the different options that you have, though you know the answer, you know, well, that doesn't work, and and I think that's important to like, even though experiment that or tasks that you do mm-hmm. uh, having that not work it's it's okay too it's, it's a win yeah. you know because you, you you're understanding more about how the sector works wow that's good that's good and did you have to explain to the client what happened no i kind of choose a pocket i kind of don't optimize all i, I don't do a blanket test on everything so it's kind of oh, okay. like one particular uh, campaign with kind of like a smaller budget and I'm going to make that my test. And, and then, yeah, you do have to explain, uh, you know, mm-hmm. conversions went down, but, mm-hmm. but like that's always the nature of like any, any campaign. It's not a projection that goes up, 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 up. It's always, yeah. it's always it has like peak and valley. So up and down, up and down. I so, like that. I like that. That's so. So I, once I, I reverse my, my targeting criteria, then like I was able to, to get it back on track. Yeah. I think that's a really great example because again, we think that because programmatic advertising is just automated that we should be able to see all of this right at once. Right. But you do have to yeah. experiment. I mean, we do have better measurement capabilities, but like we still have to experiment. And sometimes the experiment goes wrong, <laughs> but sometimes it goes right. But regardless, you still have the ability to say, actually, this is not working. So we're not going to do this. Or this is working really well. So we continue to test. So that's really, yeah. really cool. 
All right. So you're in a senior position in your career, in your journey. And so I'd love to hear about uh, how do you, you know, continue educating junior level teams, maybe that are under you or in your overall team. How important is it to continue educating yourself? Because I literally heard you say something very specific about iPhone users in the U.S. against iPhone users and Android users globally, which is something a campaign cannot really tell you. So you have to do a certain level of educating outside of your day-to-day or outside of those campaigns inside. So how, talk to me about like some of that. Like what do you take, what does it take for you to get educated, but also to continue sharing that knowledge with like junior or junior level team? I think for me, everybody has like a different approach, but I know the importance mm-hmm. of staying staying current with the trends that are happening. It's very important to listen to podcasts like yours or like to or courses like yours that reach in frequency course. Mm-hmm. And I think as an associate or mid-level or senior level, just just go ahead, go ahead and sign up for as many courses as you can. Mm-hmm. Don't just rely on the on the courses being offered you that are being offered by your agency or your particular DSP because they will have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's important just there's a lot of information out there in LinkedIn, just like follow as many media vendors as possible. And they're offer though also, they tend to offer like a lot of webinars and and sign up for as many webinars that, that that you see there's conference out there, there's, there's things that happen locally uh, in your city and find groups of people that, uh, that, that just want to have a conversation about programmatic and what they're seeing in their industry mm-hmm. and what are the trends and what is happening on their campaigns, what is happening with new vendors. You know, so I, I think that's how I try to... To, to keep up because it's hard to yeah, keep up hard. with everything that's, that's happening at once. Uh, but like, like that's, that's my attempt. I also like kind of like have this little hack, <laughs> uh, hack that um, like whenever there's a, a presentation or something like that, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll record it and then I'll play it back later. And uh-huh. surprisingly, I understand way better like the second time around or maybe like a couple of weeks later or a month later, I'll understand more. Uh, I'll, I'll get more of the concept of what, what they were saying than, than just the first time. So if you take a course or like join a webinar and like, and don't just like put it away and then come back to it, like go back to it. If it, is there something interesting about it, like pull it back. You know, that's like presentations that, that I go back uh, uh, about uh fraud and in media and like I'll, I'll pull them back and just rewatch them again just uh, just for the fun of it yeah no that's that's actually really that's such an important advice because it's almost like when you said that it made me think about when I just watch cartoons with my daughter like Disney's movies I've watched these movies for years it's Disney okay it's like classic but then I was just sitting down and I noticed how Ariel was calling uh so we watched ariel the little mermaid in french because we speak french to her mm-hmm. and i remember I, I never had i had never noticed how she was calling flounder a total different name right in french she calls flounder polochon which is nothing it's just a name it's just a name it's not even like flounder is the name of the fish flounder but flounder in french is totally different from polochon so i had never noticed that and i've been watching the little mermaid for years 
So this is just a crazy example <laughs> to illustrate what Carlos just said. Sometimes you have to rewatch or reread or QA yourself, redo that same steps because you're going to see something that is different and notice something that is different. And there's so many things about even Mulan, even like all the classic, literally we sit down and we watch some of them and I'm like, oh, I never knew that this was there before. And um, so it's really important to go back and review your own work. And I think I want to applaud you for saying this because I think a lot of us are set it and forget it type of people when it comes to learning, educating ourselves, and we never go back on it. So I'm going to challenge y'all, just like Carlos is challenging y'all to really go back and pull some actionable insight from the content you just watched or rewatching and continue rewatching. And there's nothing wrong. Like once a year, I make a, a point to reread. Um, I used to reread The Alchemist once a year, every year. I've read it maybe five times. And I remember always saying something different. You know what? Now that I said that a lot, I didn't, I have not read it in the last two years. And I realized it's because of my daughter, I'm going to blame her. I'm going to blame her on this one. I read other books, but for some reason, I haven't read that one. So by the end of this year, I'm going to read The Alchemist again. Um, but you guys, I really, really love that story. And even like The Little Women, which is a classic. Um, I yeah. used to read it around Christmas time for some reason. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a sad story if you think about it. But I like reading it around Christmas because it was a classic. And I would always learn something new about Joe, the main character, about Amy, the youngest siblings, etc. So I really appreciate you saying that. Hi, did you know that at Ellen Parker Consulting, we now offer an accelerator program where we attract, recruit, and train future marketers. And their training includes a six weeks program where they cover programmatic landscape, industry, important industry trends, the differences between targeting placement and targeting mix and their best practices, including optimization and reporting hacks. And they're able to set up manage and monitor a campaign, a demo campaign in the trade desk, everything including audience selection, inventory optimization, SPO, creative upload, brand safety, you name it. They're able to do it at the end of the six weeks program. So if you are part of the 90% of employers struggling to find a skilled candidate today and not willing to spend $14,900 on a bad hire, according to Zipia, Give us a call. Let's discuss which one of our five to 10 juniors available every month is the perfect fit for your team. Clients who have hired our juniors have shared that we were able to help them save one to two months on boarding with those juniors. Give us a call right now and let's discuss the solution with you. Um, with that said, let's talk about the community. Let's talk about mentorship. Because you've joined the programmatic meetup community maybe last last year, late last year, and the value you've brought into the community has been so exponential. Like literally, I had Carlos <laughs> post community calls when I couldn't make it and have like, Carlos, just talk about optimization. You're so good at it. So talk to us about like your experience in the community and like mentorship. How important is that for you? Oh, well, I'll talk about the community first. I think it's very important is to... To find that community, that group of people uh, that just want to talk about programmatic campaigns, it's it's very hard to do. It's not it's rarely uh, it's not available out there. No. So the fact that you created uh, something like this for this community to happen, like I, I applaud you for that, and thank you for for having us and hosting us. But just like you know, like for people like me that like <clears throat> have a passion for digital media, yeah. and it's just a great place to just talk talk shop about like 
what's going on out there yeah. and like I met wonderful people in this community and had had like uh had reached out to several of the people in the community and individually one-on-one and say like i had a question about this and yeah. they being able to kind of like set aside some time on the day and and just walk me through like their thoughts their processes like i have equally gained as much as like maybe like the people have gained for me so it, it's it's a great experience to have and um i want to also like talk about mentorship mm-hmm. mentorship and like i'm huge in mentorship I have the pleasure that in my current agency, uh, Butler Field, we have a men- and mentoring program. program that like like once in uh, in a quarter, I'll, I'll meet up with people that are outside my ecosystem, maybe they're managers in another department, and we get to talk about like questions that I have about um, moving up um, within the company, about like trends so like some of the things that i should be uh, preparing myself for like just to continue on this journey so I, I i believe that there's mentoring for for everybody even even if you're just like out of college and and haven't had any experience in programmatic or digital media like that's the time to start like a mentorship and, I, and it'll help out at all levels at the bit levels at the senior levels yeah. whatever level you're in that's really good. That's really, really good. Because like, okay, so let me ask you this. If somebody's listening and they're like, oh, dang, my company doesn't have this mentorship program. What would you want them to know or do to f- go seek their own mentor? Like what, what are like, maybe, maybe share if I was in this position, I didn't have a mentorship on my job. The, these are how I would look for a mentor for myself. Uh, definitely a good place will be to start is LinkedIn and just um, start reading, uh, start to ed- educate yourself on, on the things that are happening on the industry, the articles, the podcasts, the, the webinars, the, all those free resources. Mm-hmm. And then once you have more cool, specific questions, then start to reach out to people that maybe you heard in a podcast, maybe they hosted a webinar and you can reach out to them a lot of times they just give their information at the end of the presentation yeah. and just reach out to them and say like i'm interested in this topic i'm interested in a mentorship and they could either do the they could either point you in the right direction so a lot of times those just like take you under their wing and like and say let's go this like what are you what are your thoughts i'll give you half an hour on a zoom call so I think it's just easier nowadays to just to find those those mentorship connections through social media, through LinkedIn, and yep. just stay just stay on top of your game, stay always learning, and and reach out to those people that are giving the presentations, or being the speakers, that they're featuring a podcast, or like they're writing articles about industry. Yeah, I think it's so important. Mentorship is always it's very very important. And like you said, it's easier now because people want to help you. Like pe- most people that I've reached out to about, oh, I know somebody that's looking for a mentor. You'll be perfect for them or vice versa. Um, they've always jumped on the op- opportunity to help. Like it's really important, especially if you'd let them know, like it's a, it's a small commitment of once a month, twice a month, something like that, once a quarter. Um, I think it's really important. And actually, since uh, Carlos mentioned um, his mentorship program from his company, I actually gave that example to a handful of my other agency clients and they started implementing that. 
I was like, well, somebody in my community, this is how it does. That's just exactly what they did. And they're like, this is great. We're going to implement that. So thank you for sharing because now other people are going to benefit from that um, because you had, you know, you, you opened up that day and you shared about the mentorship program and kudos to Butler and Till too for, for implementing something like that. I think it's so important to have a path, like a vision of your journey where you're trying to go, even though it looks unclear at the moment or it feels unclear, at least you have people that have been through this journey to look up to, or at least you want to be on their journey to look up to. So I really, really want to thank you too for sharing that. And I guess I'll flip the coin here real quick and ask about the importance of understanding other channel, because I know you briefly mentioned it at the beginning, but why, why should a trader, a buyer really understand how other channels work to be really good at their own channel, like, you know, running a DSP, like what could be the benefits from understanding how to run search or have run search or have ran in Facebook or LinkedIn and so forth. Before I do that, I, I did want to say that I about men- one last thing about mentorship. Yeah. One other thing to like, like when I reach out to people, I always try to bring in something to the table. Ooh, that's like, good. That's a good so point. Kind of like a two-way uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, relationship. Not only like, okay, give me, give me, give me knowledge, but kind of like, like I could bring something to, say, to the table as well if I'm talking to somebody that's like uh, that is, uh, is working in pay social like hey I saw this article on pay social about the new changes in Facebook let me just pass it to you do you might find oh, it useful nice. okay. or like so I'll try to connect the dots and like uh, like things that I'm looking through in in my feed for example if I see an interesting article I'm thinking oh Ellen might like this you know yeah, like yep for example, and like, and passing it on, passing that information. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, a good habit to kind of like develop that sense of like, um, seeing what information has out there and, and matching that to like the particular people that, that you work with, like, uh, they might be interested in this and they, mm-hmm. they may be interested on in that or webinar or something like that. So yeah, I, I, I try to do that. So it's, it's not only like me gaining knowledge, but try, I'll try to bring something to the table as well. Yeah, that's good. It's a give or take type of relationship. I love that. And sometimes it's as easy as like what you said is when you're reading an article and you're thinking about that person, share it like, oh, I came across this. I think you'll find it interesting. Boom. Leave it at that. Um, I think that's yeah. really great. Uh, that's dope. Thank you for sharing. Thank yeah. You for and sharing. about other channels, like I have a lot of experience in, in, in paid social. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of fortunate in my last agency that 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 we ran programmatic campaigns and pay social campaigns at, yeah. at the same time. I got to learn like a, a lot of the, the pay social side. And like I just think it's really important to see how everything interconnects. I got to see the importance of creative mm-hmm. that, that happens in, in pay social. Like uh, I got to run my own experiments. Like if, if I were to put a you know, uh, an emoji uh, on my primary text, like what would happen, you know? (laughs) And like, if I were to take a static image of the client gaming and make it animated, just using like the the, the own platforms uh, uh, tools, you know? Like, I I think it's definitely beneficial to kind of like learn about like, like other uh, other platforms. Because eventually like, Somebody doesn't just want to run programmatic. They want to run search. They want to uh, run email. They want to run paid social. So yeah. you need to understand how they all connect 
to each other and and how do how can how do you read those reports like is how how do you determine if Facebook is having a good campaign and one can you extrapolate from that information for your own campaign yeah uh, so I, I think that's the definitely like the benefits I see of learning other other um you know other channels like people's own search yeah I think I think it's such a good point because like, I don't even know how many times I was in a meeting, a media meeting and search said, oh, well, we went ahead and exclude these, excluded, I don't know, these negative keywords. Right. And then I thought about it and I was like, well, I'm, I'm targeting these people <laughs> in my, in my campaign. So maybe that's why you're getting a lot of that traffic that is not converting. So maybe I should exclude that. And, or mm-hmm. like you said, in social, like they'll, they'll test creatively a little bit better than in display. And then you'll get some of that insight and optimize on, on our end. Like, oh, those people are more likely to follow Instagram accounts on like personal fitness of moms with toddlers. I don't know, like the, the fitness instructor is a mom and she has a younger kid. And then, you know, so that's really relatable. And that's type of data segments we can target on, in our DSPs. So I think it's really important to, and going back to everything you just said, right? Experimenting, looking for new new strategies, um, even on the mentorship uh, aspect. If you are have a mentor that is in programmatic advertising, and then you have a mentor that is, you know, in social research, like being able to have that perspective is very important because sometimes we get very tunnel focused in programmatic break the silos yeah we get very siloed and because we have so much capabilities and sometimes we have so many honestly i think we have so many uh platform to manage at once sometimes like i don't want to throw shade at the dark side search but search is like you know (laughs) search is google ads and then microsoft right but sometimes like for instance you mentioned you use multiple dsp i remember um, at Accelerate Digital, where we work together, we use Simplify, we use DB360. At some point, we have Adobe. At some point, we had something else. It's like a lot, right? And then we had Facebook campaigns that we were managing at some point. So we have like five to six, seven DSPs to manage at all time for one or multiple campaigns sometimes. So I think it's really important to step out and, and really learn from others. And sometimes, and I remember doing that with all of my my, my positions, like, Agencies or your work may not have something officially implemented, but if you know that you have a search buyer that is managing the same brand as you are in programmatic, reach out to them. Be like, hey, can we check in next week? I want to learn about your campaigns. What are you doing? What is working for you and what not's working so that I can see how I can complement it in programmatic or vice versa. And I swear, like the amount of information you'll get out from that meeting is really going to set you up. Like, because you're going to come out with so much inspiration, tactics, ideas. You're going to be able to really experiment yeah. like Carlos is telling you to do. I hope you do it. Yeah, I definitely believe that. I, like, yeah. we're so focused in, in our own channels and mm-hmm. the work within this little silo. Reach out to to people in the content team. and the, Content uh, as well. And, yeah, don't have to be. SEO, email, like, you know, pay search pay social and find out what they're doing because a lot of things could apply to your campaigns and and you just want to get that insight from them and -hmm. apply it to your own campaign. Yeah, I love that, especially uh, on the creative aspect. Like sometimes I know that creative team don't hear anything until like the very last minute and like in the strategy process, right? They only hear this is what you should do. But being able to talk to creative like, hey, 
according to my past data, these type of audience have engaged the highest or these sizes have had the highest performance or the highest, yeah, the highest results. Giving that information back to creative people can be very, very valuable to them because now they'll know like, oh, so this is a larger image. I get to fill in more. I get to have more flexibility in how the creative is going to look, right? Because it's higher impact and versus like the mobile, maybe the mobile should be like a GIF or HTML where you flip multiple frames instead of stacking a lot of writings because mobiles are really small. So like, I always remember even get asking those meetings with those creative people and letting them know like, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but the best performing sets that you created for my campaign was this one. And I think because of this, or, Hey, this creative did not perform really well, but it could have been because of, you know, the audience or the seasonality, not so much about the, the creative. So being able to really encourage. And then also another skill set that you develop is like, it's going to help you when it's time for you to be a manager and manage people, because now you're not afraid of asking and reaching out to these people and delegating and, and, you know, really pulling their creative thinking into the mix, you know, really challenging them. What can you tell me about this? <laughs> like, oh, well, let's start here, you know, start from the top to the bottom. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for dropping by. Um, want to be respectful of your time before you hop off though. I'd love it if you can share like one fun fact about yourself, which I think I know which one, but. Fun facts. Uh, okay. Like I have like many interests besides programmatic. I'm, <laughs> I'm also interested in, in music. Um, like uh, I used to have a band before. It's like I play guitar and uh-huh. I have a large collection of like instruments and guitar mm-hmm. pedals. I, I think I kind of collect guitar pedals now. So I just got one. Uh, recently, I have it right here. <laughs> like, oh, what is that? As you can see it, it's a uh, it's a guitar made. It's a guitar a pedal made by uh, Jack White, and oh, he's wow. like uh And he's it, it, it just recently came out. It just takes your sound like an octave higher and an octave down, and just creates like this full sound. And like when oh, you play wow. the guitar, like it sounds yeah. like it sounds like you're Jack White. So, so I'm really. <laughs> Uh, into collecting guitar pedals. Um, mm-hmm. The other thing that uh, uh, no fun fact, I'm also a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, and I have um, I have passion for yoga and for working with people. I have worked with people like that have like uh, in many different uh, populations. People have Parkinson's disease. I have done classes for children with special needs. I even ran a, a program, a, a, a class for prenatal yoga. And wow. I think I was probably like the only male to ever do that in, in Florida, like, <laughs> or maybe the United States. That so is I the, first that male, the first Latino to do that. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. That is so, so cool. I had no idea about the guitar. I knew about the yoga part, but the guitar is really cool. I knew you were into music because I remember when you came to Raleigh. Everybody went to bed and he went out to see a band. Like what? It was 11. Everybody was already done with the activities. And I was like, Carlos, you went out and then you woke up for yoga the next morning. Power to you. Yes. Very important. (laughs) Very important. You know, I love that. Thank you for sharing, because I think it's a great reminder that, you know, we tend to be so consumed by work and we forget that it's a whole world out there that is important. And that our current job does not define us as a person. It's not even part of our identity. It may define some skills, but it's definitely like, what, what, do you, what makes your heart happy? If you're good at your job, that's so great, right? 
but what else can you do outside of this? And I think you're a perfect example. And I, and I know for a fact, you're going to inspire somebody to close their computer or turn off this podcast and go out yeah. and get after that, that one thing that they wanted to do. So, um, so thank you. Thank you so much for stopping by and actually give us well a word of wisdom, right? What would Carla say or do if you had to give yourself one advice to your junior self or to your freshman self, something you wish you knew then that you knew now, what would that be? Well, we already talked about mentorship, which is very important. We talked about uh, creating new creative experiences, get out of a step away from your computer and do something else creatively. Um, But I think um, one thing I would say is ask questions. Um, be that person that's always asking questions and yeah. and have those discussions in the meetings because from my experience I was very kind of like timid and afraid to ask those questions in, early in my career but like now I don't hesitate to ask those questions because what I see is that like 90% of the people are wondering the same thing and nobody's yes. raising their hand asking their yes. questions. So sure. be brave and be the, the person like out there in, in your meetings and your communications so asking those key questions. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Carlos. This was so, so helpful. If anybody wants to keep in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, please reach out to me in LinkedIn, uh, Carlos Villanueva. Uh, uh, you'll see that you'll find my picture like uh, work for Butler and Till. So I, uh, I think you'll have my information showing up yep. as well. So. We'll have all of Carlos' information into the show notes and in the description of the YouTube video if you're watching this. And if you want to talk to Carlos more often, he's in the community, the Programmatic Meetup. So check it out as well. Uh, But thank you so much, Carlos, and hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Alan, for having me. It's been great.